Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Well, today you have joined us in week two of a series in the book of Amos. Yes, I realize that most of us don't do devotions in the book of Amos, right? That's not your go-to book. Um, Thrive, here we like to teach on books that people usually won't teach on, and Amos is one of them. So if you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Amos 3, uh, Amos 3 verse 1, Amos 3 verse 1. When I was a child, I actually deceived myself into believing something that wasn't true. I had a friend, and his name was Benton. Yeah, Benton. I was from the South. Okay, give me a break. So uh, Benton uh, had, an, had an inhaler. And I thought the inhaler was the coolest thing ever because he had asthma. And so I actually began to convince myself that I had asthma. And subsequently, I wanted to convince my mom and dad that I had asthma. And why did I do that? Because I wanted an inhaler. And so I would breathe hard and then you pretend I was having an asthma attack and do all those things. And then my mom and grandmother took me to the doctor. And guess what I didn't have? I didn't have asthma. But I was deceiving myself to believe that. And I realized later on in life it was a good thing what mom and dad did for me and my grandmother did for me. You know why? Because when you grow up, you realize that people with inhalers aren't really the people who get prom dates. I'm joking if you use inhalers. I'm just playing. But, but, but as I begin to, to grow up, I realize that probably wasn't the coolest thing. Well, maybe you've been in a situation in your life where you've seen somebody deceive themselves into believing something that wasn't true about them. Or maybe you've been in a situation where you've actually deceived yourself. And looking back on it, you would say, why didn't I see that coming? Because you believed something that wasn't true. And this is called self-deception. And to be honest, we've all done it to ourselves. We could all stand up, stand up here and give a story about how we have deceived ourselves or you know someone who's deceived themselves into believing something that's not true. Well, the truth of the matter is, this has happened with the people of God specifically for thousands of years. When you look back at the Bible, you see people deceiving themselves all the time. And today, we're going to look at the children of Israel in the days of Amos and how they actually deceived themselves into believing something that wasn't true but they thought it was true. So here's today's big idea. Now remember it's a trap, right? So it's reverse psychology. So when you see this, you've got to listen closely. This is what they believed, and this is what sometimes we believe, and this is the self-deception trap. Trap, and here it is. Write this in your notes. Grace means God doesn't care about my choices. And this is what we're going to talk about today, that, that sometimes we fall into the self-deception trap where we believe grace, what we've received from God through Jesus and what they had received, means that God really doesn't care about our choices. Now, the children of Israel, you, you need to realize something before we jump into Amos. They were God's chosen people. They had a grace on them. What is grace? Grace is a free gift, right? If you've ever received a free gift that you didn't work for and you didn't earn, that was grace. That was somebody giving something to you out of the kindness of the heart. And so God saw Abraham. This is way back in Genesis. And he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make a nation out of you. I'm going to bless all the people that bless you. I'll curse them that curse you. And through you, all nations will be blessed. And today we are because that's where Jesus came through. We're blessed today because of that. Well, that's grace, right? God freely chose them. All Abraham would do was believe. And it says in the New Testament, it was counted unto him as righteousness. So they had a grace on them. The children of Israel were chosen by God to be God's chosen people where Jesus would come through. They didn't work for it. They didn't earn it. 
As a matter of fact, after the days of Abraham, if you were just born, guess what? You were part of the party. You were part of the grace party as well. And, and God had chosen you. But here's what happens. 2,700 years ago is where Amos takes place. And we find the children of Israel. Now, many times you remember the children of Israel being in the days of Moses wandering. You've heard all the stories of that. Well, here's where they were at now. They had found the promised land. God's promises were coming to pass. Everything he said to Abraham, everything he said to Moses, everything that he had said was now happening. They were in a season of unprecedented economic growth. They were in a season 2,700 years ago where they saw blessing on their nation. They saw military power where no one could mess with Israel. They had a grace on them. They were God's chosen people. But here's what happened. They began to believe that grace meant that God really didn't care about their choices, that he didn't really have an opinion, that he just kind of was like, hey, I've chose you, you're good, you're great, do what you want to do. And that's actually not the case. So what happened, because they were so blessed, they began to extort people. They took the poor people and they charged them extra interest to make themselves wealthier. They put their own people, as we saw last week, into slavery. And when God looked at the, the children of Israel in that day and time, he was disgusted with it. Because he had done so much for them. He had blessed them so greatly. And they were like, yeah, but what I do just doesn't matter. And so here's what happens. God sends a guy named Amos to them. Now, this is the northern kingdom of Israel. And if you're skeptical about the Bible, if you're saying, I don't think the Bible's real. I think it's a bunch of man. This is actually history. So you can fact check me. You can go to your history books. You can go to your history professors and say, hey, will you tell me about 722 BC and the northern kingdom of Israel? They say, oh yeah, that's when the, when the exile happened. They know this because it really happened. This isn't some fairy tale. Amos is sent to the northern kingdom of Israel. It was split in two, had a northern kingdom. And and his message to them was this. He was a farmer, a businessman. God calls him out to preach. That sounds good, right? But here's the message God wanted him to give to Israel. Guess what? You're going to be destroyed. Now, when you, if you read the book of Amos, it's a collection of Amos' sermons. And if you read those, you'll be really thankful for Thrive Church. Because <laughs> that was his sermon every week. Hey, guess what? Welcome to our new series. It's called You're Going to Be Destroyed. <laughs> Right? We're in week 27 of you. You're going to be destroyed again. <laughs> Matter of fact, after church, we're going to play game shows called you. Who's going to be destroyed today? And so God um, sends Amos to give him this message that Assyria, their enemies, Assyria didn't believe in God. Assyria didn't care. They were wicked. He said, Assyria is coming in to take you guys out of the northern kingdom, and they're going to exile you all the way to their place and destroy your city. Now, that was, doesn't seem like a good message, does it? God could not get their attention. And if they continued on that same path, listen, we wouldn't have Jesus today because they would have destroyed the nation of Israel themselves by what they were doing. See, everything God told them in the Old Testament was to protect them so Jesus, our Messiah, our, our Savior, could come through that line. And so God sends Amos to say, hey, Assyria's coming. You need to get ready. Because they believed, because they were chosen by God, because they had grace on them, that he really didn't care about their choices. I want you to look at Amos chapter 3, uh, verse 1, and look what Amos says here. Again, when you hear these sermons, you'll think, man, Thrive's pretty encouraging. <laughs> Verse 1 says this, Listen to this message that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the entire family that I rescued from Egypt. Remember what he did for them? He rescued them from Egypt. He rescued them from slavery. And it says, From among all the families on earth, I love this, I have been intimate with you alone, Israel. He's saying, Guys, do you see all that I've done for you? We were intimate 
I was your God and you were my people and I gave you a covenant and I've blessed you. And then look what God says. He gives them some word pictures here. He says, this is why I must punish you for all your sins. He says, can two people walk together without agreeing on a direction? Now, he's going to give you cause and consequence. Can, you know, can they, and, and of course they're going to say, well, well, of course not. They can't do that. Well, of course not. Of course not. Does a lion ever roar in the thicket? Without first finding a victim? Does a young lion growl in its den without first catching its prey? Does a bird ever get caught in a trap that has no bait? Does a trap spring shut when there's nothing to catch? Of course not. See, these are course nuts. When the ram's horn blows a warning, shouldn't the people be alarmed? And does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has planned it? He is telling them there are consequences to your actions, Israel. Yes, we had this intimate, special relationship, but you've ignored the covenant we made. See, in Deuteronomy, the Lord tells the children of Israel, he gives them these lists of blessings and curses for them. That was, see, they had a conditional covenant back then. See, the, the two parts of the Bible, we call it testaments, it's old covenant, new covenant. That's the old covenant. And so he told them, if you do this, you'll be blessed. And they had done that for the most part. And they were blessed. He says, but if you do this, consequences are going to take you over. And this is what they had found. And they had gotten to a point that they believed that grace didn't, it just meant God didn't care about their choices. It really wasn't important. God didn't really have an opinion. And can I be honest today? This is what scares me about the church at large. This is what scares me about Christ followers. If you're not a Christ follower today, you'll get to hear about what grace is. And hopefully you'll receive that just like I did 20 years ago. But what's happened, I believe, largely in the American church is we've taken the same approach. I actually had a, a, a close friend who read a book that was about the gospel and grace. And it was beautiful. Like, like the first part of this book, I was like, man, this is great. Boom. Yes, this is wonderful. Talk about what grace is. Grace is a free gift. You can't earn salvation. Every other religion in the world says you got to earn it. you got to do it to get it. Christianity says Jesus did it so you can get it. You can't work for it. If you do, it's not grace. It's actually, Paul talks about it. So, so she read this book and she reports back to me. And the premise of it was beautiful. You can't do anything to get it. Which that's true. You just bring belief and sin to Jesus. Say, okay, Lord, I believe your Lord and here's all my sin. I am a sinner. Will you forgive me and may I follow you? That's what salvation literally is. So, the premise of this book though is this. Because of all that, you don't have to do anything. You just don't have to do anything. After you follow, say, I'm going to follow Jesus and you receive grace, you don't have to serve. You don't have to pray. You don't have to witness. You don't have to give. You don't have to serve. You don't have to do anything. And can I be honest? Technically, yeah, I understand what the writer was saying. I understand that you don't have to try to like work hard to get it and work hard to keep it. Like you just continually trust. It's a relationship and you follow and it's, you know, it's belief. And I understand that. But here is the breakdown and here's what we fall into with grace. It means I don't have to do blank, whatever blank is for you. Because of what Jesus has done, I don't have to do anything. And God doesn't care about my choices. And that's such a dangerous road for us to fall on. Because if we buy into that, I don't have to do anything. And technically, like, if you don't, like, serve at church or share your faith or give financially, yeah, I mean, you will get to heaven. But is heaven really the goal of it? Because here's the beauty. You get one life. One life. You never get to come back to this life ever again. And if we miss, if we believe that grace means God doesn't care about our choices, here's what happens. We 
miss partnering with God in the earth to see things happen. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has literally invited you not only to salvation, but to be part of something that's bigger than you are. To be a part of this what we call redemptive plan where God is crying out to those who don't know Him. Where God is trying to get people to, to, to come to forgiveness and know Jesus. And if you believe, well, because he's, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to. Fine, why? Whatever, you don't have to. But you're going to miss out. And I'm going to miss out on the greatest opportunity in life. It's not a job opportunity. It's not a, great, a greater pay package. It is literally the opportunity to partner with God to do great things. Do you know that right now today, there are 18 people in the Dominican Republic. And I was there about 14 months ago, 15 months ago. One of the poorest places I've ever been to in my life. I got to sit and eat at the dinner tables in these people's houses and share meals with them. And do you know why 18 people were getting a chance to go? Because someone decided that, you know what, I want to partner with God. So you may never go to the Dominican, I hope you do, or go to Nicaragua with us. You may never get to go some of these places, but do you understand that just even praying and giving, now you're, in, you're partnered with God and impacting people you may never meet, and they may shake your hand in heaven and say, thank you so much, because what you did for me changed my life. You know, we raised, um, at, at Chesterfield, I mean, it was, it's like, uh, it was, it was, they needed $5,000 for, for a motorboat, for a motor for a boat. You think, well, let me explain. This one lady named, named Orpa has 16 churches that she travels to in Guyana. 16 churches by boat because you can't get there by land. And this little old lady, she's a fragile lady there in Guyana, travels to preach and disciple to these people. And sometimes her boat would break down because the motor was so bad in it. And she would paddle as far as she could. And when she couldn't, she'd spend days out in what we would consider the Amazon. And she wrote a letter to us at Chesterfield saying thank you so much because now the gospel is preached. People are being discipled. I have never had a new, a new motor for my boat. And do you realize that the people who got a chance to do that, they, were, they didn't have to, did they? They got to. And see, if we believe that grace just means God doesn't care about my choices, we're going to miss and get into partner with what God's doing in the earth around us. And your life matters too much to take that approach. See, here's the approach we have to take because of grace. Are you ready? The approach we have to take is this. I don't have to, I get to. All right. I don't have to. I don't, I don't have to. I don't have to give a thing. I'll, I'll make to heaven. I don't have to share my faith. I don't have to you know, serve. I don't have to do it. But I get to. I've been invited by our Heavenly Father because of Jesus to be a part of something greater than I am. And it's my privilege. I don't have to lift a hand in worship. I don't have to clap. I don't have to sing. But it's my God-given privilege because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And that is what it means to receive the grace of God. That God actually does care about our choices. Why? Because we get a chance because of our lifestyle to partner with what God is doing in the earth all the time. Listen, sometimes, you know, it gets tough with ministry. I'm thankful for one of the greatest churches on planet earth to get the pastor. And you know what? If I decided to go work somewhere else tomorrow, God wouldn't be displeased with me. I don't have to do ministry, right? You don't have to do what you do. I get to. And it's a privilege. 
in my life to partner with God. And I don't want you to miss out on that. I don't want you to miss out on the greatest opportunity that you'll have. So, so here's, here's the action step that we have to take. Are you ready? Here's the action step. And here's what I want you to get. is Our lifestyle choices should be affected by God's grace. Our lifestyle choices should be affected by God's grace. And, and, and if you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you're saying, man, yeah, I, I follow Jesus and he's my Lord, then it should affect how you leverage your life because you realize that everything that's been given to you has been given to you by God. Everything and you have, your, your, even the breath that you have in your lungs, you're saying, God, even you gave that to me and I want to leverage it for your kingdom. And so we have to leverage our life for his kingdom. See, there's this word called awe. A-W-E. And I think the experience that you have in awe, there, there are several times in your life you experience it. When my wife walked down the aisle, I was like, oh, right? Whenever I, I, I do a wedding, it never ceases to amaze me. And I tell the groom, I said, man, you, your heart's going to melt. I said, don't try to come all these words to say because you won't be able to say anything. You'll be like, blah, blah, blah. It's like there's awe. Like, you know, when, when my son was born, I was, at first I was like, oh, oh. I, you know, I was scared to death. Oh, oh. And it just, it just took me over. And my, my wife and I had a chance to go to Ireland together. We do one vacation a year together without our son. And we went to the Cliffs of Moher. If you hadn't seen it, man, Google YouTube, whatever you do. And we were literally in awe. We paused and just took it in. And we responded by going, wow, this is incredible. And that was the only place in Ireland that we did. But I want you to realize that if you have your lifestyle affected by God's grace and what you live, it's living a life of awe. And what happens, the longer you know Jesus and I know Jesus, we lose the awe. We lose the awe of being rescued. We lose the awe, as we said last week at both locations, that God chose you when you had nothing to offer him. Nobody does that. Like, you don't draft the worst players in fantasy football. That's what Jesus did to us. He was like, yeah, you're terrible, and I want you on my team. You're like the worst. Like, like for me? And literally, I had one of my teachers in high school said, I want to listen to that message because I was there. She responded on Facebook. She's like, yeah, I remember you, Bordeaux, in high school. And we can't lose all. Because if we lose the fact of all of what Jesus has done by way of the cross, then we will begin to believe that, ah, it really doesn't matter what I do. I'm not going to leverage my life for the kingdom. And how do you keep that? Because at Thrive, I'm going to keep bringing you back to the gospel, keep bringing you back to what Jesus Jesus has done for you. Keep bringing you back to the centrality of that. Because if you lose focus of the gospel, you'll lose focus of all. If you lose focus of all, your life will be like, ugh. I mean, could you imagine a kid coming to you and say, hey, and my son knows this. He's three and a half, but I tell him all the time. And mamas and daddies, you tell your kids. I said, son, do you know how much I love you? Yes, dad, I love you too. I said, do you know that I love you unconditionally? Yes, yes, Dada. He's at this stage in his life where he wants to know, is, does this make me proud of him? So he'll do something. Does that make you proud of me? When I do? So, uh, not really, but I always love you. Just not really proud of that action. <laughs> Could you imagine a child coming to you and saying, hey, do you love me unconditionally? You know it. Unconditionally. So it doesn't matter what I didn't know. Why do you love me? Because you're mine and I love you. Nothing you can do to earn it. Like children don't earn your love, right? Yes, I'm like, yeah. that's, where, that's where you respond, yes. But could you imagine the child responding and saying, 
Awesome. I'm going to do any and everything I want to. And I don't care what you think. Because you love me. That's the way we treat our Heavenly Father sometimes. I, I love the message of unconditional love. I'm so glad we understand grace in this season. But my fear is we're going to look at our Heavenly Father and say, and so what? I'll do what I want to. Wouldn't that break your heart as a parent if a child said that to you and then just did that? And that's what we do. That's where our lifestyle choices have to be affected by God's grace. We've got to be at that place where we're in awe of him. And we say, Jesus, because of what you have done, then I will do this. And so here's the one thing we've got to do this week. One thing. And I want you to say this over and over this week. And here's the one statement. It's on your screen. You can write notes. It says, because he has, then I will whatever that is for you. That's, that doesn't mean a word. <laughs> I will blank. <laughs> Whatever that is for you. Because he has, then I will. Because he has been so good to me. Because he rescued me while I was yet still a sinner. Because he's, he's done this, now I will do this in my life. Because he has, then I will. What is that for you? See, I have my own stuff. That's why I can't tell you and give you one thing to do because the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and when you go through a tough time or you're, you have a decision to make that's going to dishonor God and displease God if you remember this it's going to stop you every time because he has then, then I will you've been so good to me God I just want to honor you the best that I, it doesn't mean perfection it just means you give God your best because he gave you his best see before I knew Jesus, I was the worst kid ever, and I was the worst child ever. Looking back, I was terrible. Like, literally, I was, I, was, I was bad, horrible. I mean, I can't explain to you how bad I was. And after I gave my life to Jesus, my dad didn't want me to go to school for ministry. He didn't follow God. He didn't follow Jesus. He didn't believe in him. He wanted me to make money. He wanted me to go to computers or something. I remember even trying that for about three semesters. I didn't like it. But when I decided that this is what God had called me to and I was reluctant, he was reluctant my dad took his 401k and his investments that he'd worked so hard for I mean, he came out of nothing and he put me through three degrees debt free and can, I, and can I tell you something? I wasn't just sitting there doing work and doing schoolwork and studying just to make a good grade I wanted my dad to know because he has then I will make sure I honor him with this and that's the reason I strive for AIDS. Because I wanted my, my father, my earthly father to know. Because you've been so good to me. And you're sacrificing so much. I want you to know that it's affected my life majorly. And I made sure I told my dad. You know my dad, I've said this before. He never saw retirement. And one of the reasons is because he decided to put me through school. He died before that. I want us as followers of Jesus to not make the same mistake the people of Israel made 2,700 years ago. But because we have grace, because Jesus has forgiven us, because he has been so good to us, then we can just live laissez-faire, man, and it just doesn't matter to God. Your heavenly Father has a plan for you, and grace invites you into something greater than what you ever could imagine. And can I tell you, you may not know the impact until you get on the other side of this life when you actually see Jesus face to face. You know, Paul said this. I want to close with this scripture. Paul said this in, in the, to the church in Corinth. And what he said was this in 2 Corinthians 6.1. 
this really sums up this man. He says, as God's partners, we beg you to not accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness, right? And then ignore it. So, so Paul says, we beg you. See, the church at Corinth there, that church had some great worship services. But they were, I'm telling you what, their behavior was horrible. Read the church at Corinth. Just, if you just read 1 and 2 Corinthians, you'll say, man, I thought I was messed up. I'm doing great. I mean, these people were way out there. Like sleeping with the mother-in-law and then coming to church and bragging about it. Y'all, it was like Jerry Springer. And Paul says to them in the second letter he wrote, I mean, of course, they didn't get the first letter. I beg you. I beg. The word beg to plead. Don't accept this marvelous, marvelous gift of God's kindness to you. And then just ignore, just shrug your shoulders and say, so what? But look what he says here. I love this. Verse 2, he says, For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Paul is saying, do you understand what God did for you? Don't just shrug your shoulders. Don't be self-deceived in believing that how you leverage your life doesn't matter. It matters. It's not because God's mad at you, wants to do something bad to you. He wants you to see that when you get to your last breath, you look back and say, God, I wasn't perfect. I screwed up a lot, but I gave you everything that I had and everything that I knew. My life was yours. And you can look back on a life leveraged for God's kingdom. Grace, the free gift that we've been given, means that we should say, because he has, then I will. Because he has, then I will. And I want to challenge you this week to take that next step. Remember, uh, memorize that. Remember it and put that in. Uh, write it down. Facebook it. Tweet it. Instagram it with a, a, a smile of your face on there. And say that every day and it will change your life. Let's pray. Father, this morning... We want to thank you, first of all, for this wonderful gift of grace. That every other world religion tries to reach you by working for it. By doing things. But God, you reached down to us. And you rescued us at just the right time. You heard us and you redeemed us. Thank you, Lord, for salvation through your son, Jesus. Now, God, we all pray today that you would leave us awestruck of this marvelous gift. Heavenly Father, help us every day to take the mindset. Because you have given us this free gift, because you've been so good to us, God, may we now serve you. May we now leverage everything that we have, as little as it is or as much as it is, even the very breath we May we leverage it for your kingdom because you've invited us into a bigger story. And God, as we're praying today, and we're in this mode of a sacred moment before you, I just want to pray for all those who've walked away from you. Those who are on that, what we call valley of decision, God, for you to serve Jesus, I pray today you would open their hearts to you. 
and they would make the greatest decision ever. And as we're praying today, church, if maybe you've walked away from the Lord, maybe you've taken 30,000 steps away from Jesus, maybe your lifestyle doesn't reflect anything of what God's done for you, and it's okay. You're ever only one step away. One step. And today, if that's you, if you're saying, Kevin, I want to come back to faith in Jesus, or for the first time ever, you want to make Jesus your Lord. It's simple. I want you right where you're sitting to pray this after me and with me. And you say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner.